again so excited to get into the second part of um, making all things new series and I just you know I have to say like it is so good just to see a full house this morning um, yes it's incredible uh, just to think last year you know we're all sitting in our homes in front of a screen thinking oh my goodness Lord what is happening <laughs> in our world and and what's going to happen and not really knowing, you know, what what was ahead. And yet here we are, you know, a year later. And uh, while the year has been difficult, we can be present right now in this moment and recognize the new that God is doing and the hope that he was bringing all the while that we had no idea what was ahead. We didn't know what was next. We didn't know when we would be able to gather again. And even when we were able for some of us to gather, some couldn't gather And so in that process of all the unknowing and all the uncertainty, God was bringing hope and God was bringing promise. I'm making all things new. Will you trust me? And that's part of what we're talking about. That is what we're talking about in this series. And what we've been really talking about since the beginning of the year is God making all things new. And that when we're in this race of life, um, in the midst of, of what we cannot see God doing, there's an endurance and a resilience that God desires to build up within us. So that even in the meantime, even in the liminal space, in the, the waiting, that we can cling to his hope and cling to the, the fresh promise that, yes, I and making all things new. And so today we're going to be talking about alive with hope. Because the, here's the thing, is for us to be able to hold on and grasp that promise that God has made all things new, he is making all things new, and he will continue to make all things new, we've got to have hope. We've got to hold on. Because the reality is, is that we don't always see the new at the moment that he's doing. And sometimes, as we've talked about, we talked about last week, We have to shift our perspective a little bit. We have to focus on the good that God is doing and not always focus on what we cannot see, right? And so today we're going to talk about the alive with hope, just looking at the work of Jesus on that morning and the resurrection morning uh, at the tomb, the, the Mary, the women that were there at the tomb waiting. I mean, can you, I just think about that. Can you imagine that? That on Friday night, it was the women that, that stayed, and we're going to talk about that a little, a little bit, but it was his closest followers that stayed to the cross at the very end, to his very last breath. So many others left. So many others went on. They, they got a little tired of waiting, and they went on, but it was his closest followers that stayed with hope, I believe, of Jesus was talking about a lot of stuff, and I don't know what's happening right now because all I see is his death on the cross, but there's got to be something here. There's got to be something here that he's doing. And then think on Saturday, the silence of Saturday, the silence of, well, what do we do now? Where do we go from here? And yet on Sunday morning, God made all things new. And it all began to come together. And a hope was made alive. There, there was joy. There was peace. There was a celebration. And yet in all of that, there was still curiosity. There was still some confusion. There was still some doubt and some uncertainty. So it's clinging to the promise of hope that hope is alive. Even in the midst of everything else, hope is alive. And knowing that because Jesus died, and was raised to life again, it's a hope that is beyond our comprehension. It's a hope that does not make sense. It's a hope that's beyond this world. A a hope that is eternal, but that is present for the here and now. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10, and we're just going to look at that story, uh, those moments in Scripture. You want to read it? Yeah, so when 
we look at the Gospels, the, the Gospels of stories of Jesus, all four Gospels um, have a variety of how they tell the story of Jesus. But what we see in every single one of the four Gospels is the resurrection moment. The, the, the moment where there is this encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And we're going to look at Matthew 28 um, for our, our reading this year of Easter. We're looking at Matthew 28, and we'll start in verse number one. The scriptures say this, Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell to a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, Do not be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. Amen? He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. And then verse number eight, the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them. He greeted them. They ran to him, grasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. The second time they've been told, don't be afraid. Tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and, I will, and they will see me there. This is a miracle moment that happens. And, and one of the things that always strikes me about this story is that the resurrection moment when Jesus is first resurrected to life, there's really nobody there to witness it. It happens in the tomb. And then what happens following that is his, his followers, his disciples, they're, they're coming to, to visit the tomb. The women are coming to, to tend to the body of Jesus, and they show up, and the miracle has happened, and they get to encounter the overflow of that. And what it is is it's this promise, like Pastor Kristen was saying, of, of God that had been saying, I will make all things new, has now made things new through Jesus Christ, and it's tangible and it's available, and not just for them, his followers, but out of their obedience, their response to this amazing revelation, we then get to be beneficiaries of that. We then get to encounter that same amazing revelation and response that God is doing in our world. And so what we wanted to do this morning is pull out a few points of, of this resurrection story of pointing to what happens when we become alive with hope. That there's this, these places that as we encounter the hope that comes through this, all things being made new, being alive in Christ, that there then is, is a response. There's something that comes next. What a, I love the verse. Um, it's verse 8, I believe. Uh, yes, it says the women ran quickly from the tomb uh, because of what they had seen. It says they were very frightened but also filled with great joy. They were very frightened but also filled with great joy joy. That's really the space that we live in in this broken world is the yes, but this. The now, but not yet. <laughs> this constant kind of waiting at times and yet seeing the goodness of God. Uh, and so this is where hope comes in. It's hope, that the, the uh, um, living hope that causes us to be able to say, I'm a little frightened. I'm a little unsure. God, I don't really know what you're doing. I'm even frustrated, and yet I can still hold joy, and I can still hold 
faith and I can still hold peace. So our first point is alive with hope for forever. That again, I said it just a minute ago, this hope is not just a hope for then. And it's not just a hope for now. It's a hope for forever. The work of Jesus on the cross was a forever kind of work, a re, an eternal kind of work. The making all things new that Jesus is doing is a perpetual making all things new. So until we are in eternity, standing before Jesus Christ, our Savior, we're not going to see the fullness of new. We're not going to see the entirety of the new. It's always going to be a little bit partial. It's always going to be um, not complete until we are in eternity. But we have a forever hope that forever God is making all things new. And that the sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus, that we actually see the power of God conquer evil and sin. And knowing with, again, eternal hope and forever hope that one day that evil and sin and death would be conquered and completely overcome once and for all. And so when the women approached the tomb that morning, one of the things that's interesting to note is that, again, as Brad said, they're not expecting necessarily Jesus to be gone, right? And so when they're there, they're actually there uh, in grief and exhaustion. And part of what they're doing is there, it's part of the Jewish tradition. When a person died, there was a multi- process or a multi-day process of caring for the body and caring for the deceased and, and a mourning of their death. And so in a matter of seconds, we have to see that their understanding, I mean, they're in their cultural tradition, they're in their, their, their love and care for their Lord, as they call Jesus. And yet in seconds, their entire understanding of reality and the power of God was flipped upside down by encountering the angel at the empty tomb, and then meeting the resurrected Jesus. I can't help but pause and consider that the disciples left. It was the women who stayed there, again, in a cultural tradition, but it wasn't just the cultural tradition that they were um, embracing. It was, again, their love of their Lord, and I believe their trust and their hope in the Lord to wait and see what is happening here. What is God going to do? And then in that moment when Mary turns, it's in another passage, I believe it's in Luke or Mark, where we actually see Mary encounter Jesus, and she calls him rabbi and teacher, and she doesn't even see that Jesus is behind her, and there's this moment where she encounters the face of Jesus, and you think everything has changed in that moment, and I have to think everything kind of just made sense. And it's a little bit similar to, to where we are in our own situations and trials as we're waiting for God to move, as we're waiting for God to make the new in our specific situation in the here and now or the change that we want to see in our life. And as we begin to see him move and as we begin to see that change occur, there comes a moment, you know this, you've had these seasons of your life, there comes a moment where hindsight happens and you go, oh, God, that's what you were doing. There you were. You were there all the time. I didn't even know that you were there all the time. And if you're like me, you have a little bit of a moment of like, I think it's chagrin of like, oh, <laughs> you were there all the time. <laughs> right. I was wrestling and I was pitching a fit and I was kind of pushing against and resisting and, and having trouble trusting you. But you were there all the time. It's being made alive in hope and clinging to the forever hope that we have that sustains us in those moments of waiting 
that it sustains us in the moments where we don't see again the whole new that God is doing. So this morning, what new is God doing in your life right now? Not what new did God do a year ago or, or 10 years ago, but what new thing, as we've talked about since the beginning of the year actually, where we talked about running the race with endurance and we needed to shake off the things that hindered us and entangled us. And then we talked about the the discipline of the Lord and how the Lord disciplines us to shape us and and transform us, to make us new. And then we talked about being on purpose for Jesus and knowing that we were made on purpose. And then we talked about the new self and the old self of being stripped of the old self so that God could bring us more into the new that he's created us to be. This is what we've been talking about, the new. So what has God been saying to you? As you've listened, as you've hopefully paid attention, what has God spoken to you, that still small voice that says, that points out the little things in your life, I want to make that new. I want to see that die. I want to pull that away because it's harming you. I want to make that new. What's the promise that God has whispered in your soul? I'm making this new. Hold on and wait. It's being made alive with hope forever so that as God whispers those promises to you, that you can hold on to hope that even though it's not yet, God is making all things new. If you think about it for the Marys that showed up there, they were, like Pastor Kristen said, they're in the flow of just the tradition. And maybe they were hoping for a miracle or expecting maybe something was going to happen. But if you think about what they encountered in that moment, any other time in the future when that burial tradition is happening, when somebody has died, they're going to remember back to the miracle working power of God that can raise the dead back to life. And it forever changes their understanding of who God is. And that's the same thing that happens in us. There's this forever promise that as God works in us and as we come to new places of seeing the, the old made new, it changes our understanding, our way of seeing the world. You know, one of the promises that comes um, of that hope of God working in the world, uh, in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 25, the promise of God was that he will swallow up death forever, that the sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. It's through this that there's this miraculous power in the, the resurrection of Christ Jesus. And, and we don't want to get over-focused on just the fact that Jesus' human body was resurrected back to life, but it's the understanding that God can do that work of resurrecting, of making new. That is the promise of God working in us. And so we can hold tight to that hope that is forever. But then secondly, and I think this is what's important for us to understand, is that when we experience alive, like being made new, that this alive, it's an alive um, with hope for purpose. It's, it's a hope that's not just a, an empty hope or a hope that's a, you know, a, a there when I finally get there in eternity, but it's in a hope that is with a purpose in our lives. You know, one of the things we see here in Matthew 28 is the, the first conversation. The first conversation Jesus has after his resurrection is with his followers where he, he encourages them. He, he acknowledges who he is, but then he gives them an assignment. He gives them a purpose. And I love it that, again, it's the women who are at the tomb where he says, go, like, go tell the story. It's this like go and tell responsibility that he gives to them. There's a Matthew 28, 10, where he tells them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers that, and he's talking to the disciples, that I will meet them in Galilee. And so because of their obedience and, and this purpose that they've been assigned, the message starts to spread. And it, and it happens, and it spreads further and further. And we see um, through the closing of Matthew's last chapter of the gospel, Matthew 28, 
that there are multiple moments where Jesus, he, he appears to his followers. He, he encourages them. But in Matthew 28, there's that great commissioning. And if you've been a part of church, you've probably heard this before, but I think it's important for us to read it again because it connects so well with what Jesus was doing and he was instilling into his, his followers that this being made new, this, this miracle of resurrection you've experienced, it's not just for us but there's actually an assignment, a greater purpose that comes with it. And in Matthew 28, 16, it says, when the 11 left for Galilee, that's the 11 disciples minus Judas, were going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Then in verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority on heaven and on earth. Therefore, and here's his commissioning, his sending, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to follow all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What comes out of this, and and again, maybe familiar words, but what comes out of this, this assignment is this primary way that Jesus is saying, this is how I'm going to continue making all things new. And what is it? It's through you. My work that I've been doing here, I'm handing it off. I'm going back to my father in heaven. I have something else that I'm going to be tending to. And so I am now going to do the work of making all things new through you. This is the assignment that I'm giving you. And then for those of us who have committed ourselves to following Jesus, for, for walking that narrow road like we talked about on Good Friday, of, of walking the path of Jesus, of living as Jesus died, we also hold tight to this resurrection message where he says, I want to work through you. What I am teaching you, you don't get to just hold on to it but I'm actually giving it to you so that then you can give it to others. And then it, it comes with this part where there's a, there's a challenge in it. It's that go tell part where it's the work that's happening in you, but then out of the work that's happening in you, there's an overflow. You know, the apostle Peter, um, there's a couple of letters from Peter that are in the New Testament, but in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, he says this, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. You must worship him. He's talking to followers of Jesus, followers of the way. But then he says, and if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Have your story ready to tell. Have the greatness of who God is ready on your lips to share and to tell. And then he says, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what the Lord wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. You know, there's always going to be resistance to that message of hope. But what he's saying is the way in which you live becomes an example. It becomes a testimony. As you live out of your purpose, there will be this, this overflow in the world around you. Most oftentimes, it's the way we live. It is the story we tell. It is the testimony that we share of Jesus' goodness and grace and the hope that we have. But isn't it most often how we are living, right? How we are loving others, how we are actually modeling, not necessarily by words all the time, but by our very actions, do we model Jesus? Are we on purpose in that way? Because the reality is, is again, when we look at scripture, we know that Jesus made it clear. We are 
is creation. We are the ones that are completing this, making all things new because of how we live in this world and how we love in this world. And he said, you will be, they will know that you are my disciples in the way that you love others. And Jesus said, you are the, the basic revelation of my love to this world. So they will see my love. They will know my love. They will know who I am by how you live in this world. That's what he told the disciples. And that's a huge challenge. But this is what tells us that the making all things new is not just so our situations can get better and so our circumstances can get better because, of course, we all want the tangible goodness in our lives, the things that we can touch, see, and feel and know that we're good. And yet the reality is the most making all things new that God is doing in our life is actually inside of us. It's really in deeply within us so that as he transforms us from the inside out, what's coming out out here is being on purpose for him because we're modeling Jesus Christ to the world. So why talk about repentance all the time? Well, it's not for the sake of condemnation. Why talk about needing to to process forgiveness with the Lord? It's not for the sake of judgment. Why talk about transformation all the time? It's not for the sake of just being so good for God. It's because if people are going to encounter the most authentic, unconditional, incomprehensible love that they could encounter, it's going to be through Jesus Christ. And if they're going to do that, it's because they're encountering us in a similar way. And so when we think about that, one of the things that can feel overwhelming is if we're trying to do that in and of ourselves, you know, like I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps, you know, I'm going to, out of my own um, just human, like goodness, I'm going to try to do that. It feels overwhelming. It's insurmountable. I'm not that good enough. I don't have the energy for it. I don't have the capacity for it. And the days that I try to live out of my own self uh, capacity to do that, I fail miserably. But go back to Matthew 28. When Jesus gives that commission, what does he say? He says, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age forever. That forever hope that you're holding on to, I'm with you. So in this commissioning and this purpose I'm giving you, I'm telling you, you can do it because I'm with you. And then we see later on, there's that sending that empowerment of the Holy Spirit that then gives us that, that enabling, that ability to actually walk with that purpose. So that made alive in hope is not again, just for a hope in our circumstance, but it's a hope in that God, you will continue to transform me. You're, gonna, you're with me always. You're doing this work in me. I'm not here on my own. And I might get frustrated at times because I just can't seem to get this area right or I can't, can't seem to see this change that I want to see, you know, in my relationships with my family or in my relationships with my coworkers. But I have hope and a living, breathing, powerful hope within me that you have promised to do this work in me, that if I abide in you, if I respond, if I engage in what you're doing in my life, I can hold on to a living hope that you will transform my life and I will see fruit being harvested from the seeds that I'm sowing. And that leads us to the final point. It's alive with hope for response. Alive with hope for response. We see over and over again that Jesus' followers were engaged. I mean, they had tenacity. They were like, they were there till the very end. They wanted to see what Jesus was doing. And even though they were confused and they doubted at times and they denied him, and, and there were times where I know that they were probably just so discouraged because they didn't understand what Jesus was saying and what he was doing, they were tenaciously following him, tenaciously staying close to him 
tenaciously participating in the miracles, participating in the work that Jesus was doing as he walked the earth to the cross. They were tenaciously following. And then we see that same response after Jesus goes to the heaven to be with the Father. The disciples and those that followed him carried that work on. And we see them tenaciously carrying that work on through persecution, through famine, through all kinds of heartache and struggle and trials. They tenaciously pursued the work of Jesus Christ and tenaciously brought that work to the world. So there is a response that God is calling for, for from us. And I believe and we believe that probably since January, as we've been talking about some of these things and some, some things we've been saying over and over again, but with kind of a new fresh look and a new fresh perspective at how it applies to our life. But since January, I believe there are some specific things that God has spoken to you. Because I know there are some specific things that God has spoken to me. And I know Brad can say the same thing. Specific things that God has said to us, and we need to respond. So when we look in scripture, often what we see is there's a revelation of God's truth and a revelation of the work that God is doing in the world, and then we see the people respond. There's rarely ever a revelation of of God or a revelation of Jesus as he's teaching where there's no response, where it's just this kind of indifference, like taking in. There's either a rejection, a resistance, or there's an engagement and an acceptance of the invitation. And so what we want to point out here is that the response occurs even while we're waiting. The response doesn't occur when everything kind of gets wrapped up and tidy and everything begins to make sense and it all kind of comes together in hindsight's 2020 and we go, okay, now I'll respond. No, the response happens even in the waiting, even when in the ambiguity of what God is doing, even in the uncertainty. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 14 says this, talking about the new that God will do, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth that he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, while you are waiting for these things to happen, he says, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. So even while we're waiting, even while we're unsure and we're uncertain, this is the call to respond that we have. That God will ultimately bring about new heavens and new earth, something that we can't even fully wrap our minds around, that God is making all things new and will ultimately complete that all new. But while we are waiting, we are actively waiting and actively engaged. So while we are waiting, we are to be at peace with God and peace with one another. Now, that's a very general statement. (laughs) We are to be at peace with God and peace with one another. And if we were just to look at that as a concrete statement, the reality is, is like, well, there are oftentimes I don't feel very at peace with God, and there are definitely, definitely oftentimes that I am not at peace with the world around me. So again, it's this ongoing work and transformation, the ongoing, yes, sometimes things are really messy, and at the same time, God's doing some really great things in our life. And so we're engaging. We're not getting stuck and distracted and hindered because we focus on the bad that's occurring or we focus on our own um, mess ups or our own mistakes or our own failures, but we're focusing on what God is doing in us and in this world. So I want to bring it back around to the women at the tomb and the women 
It was the same women, again, the close followers of Jesus at the tomb. They were there at the cross, again, till his final breath to the very end. And Ruth Haley Barton pointed this out in a podcast I was listening to, and I just thought it was, uh, again, a revelation to respond to, at least for me. She said, they, those that were closest to Jesus, those were that, the, the ones that were most intimately following Jesus, they stayed to the very end of his last breath, and then they were at the tomb again, and she said they kept vigil. And that, that word vigil is the root word of vigilance, right? Tenacity, vigilance, like digging in. To me, that speaks to I've got to wait through the pain. I've got to wait through the suffering. I've got to be present, and I've got to be engaged. I can't run away. I can't walk away. I can't give up. I can't throw my hands up and say, never mind. I, I don't see what you're doing, God. I'm out. I can't allow myself to get distracted and just get put it on cruise control and just go through my life completely oblivious to what's happening around me. What that speaks to me, that vigilance that speaks to me, that staying to the end is that I've got to stay to the end. In my grief, in my sorrow, in my pain, in the darkest of the dark, when I don't know and I don't understand, I'm going to stay until the very end. And you know what? When they stayed to the very end, their vigilance was rewarded because those women at the tomb were the first ones to see the resurrected Jesus. And they were the first ones to be able to tell people, Jesus has risen. Jesus is alive. Jesus' promise is being fulfilled. Hey, guys, guess what? It's happening. Just like Jesus said it would, it's happening. I want to be the person that stays through to the very end, that, that, that is just vigilant and tenaciously following, saying, I won't give up. If I'm on the floor, I won't give up. If I'm walking with my head held high, I won't give up. If I'm in the valleys or I'm on the mountain, I will vigilantly, I don't even know if that's a word, pursue you, Jesus, because I want to see what you're doing. And I want to be right in the middle of what the new you're doing in this world. I want to be right in the center of it. And I want to be on purpose for you. And I want to cling to that hope and have fresh hope in my life. And I know that it's when I'm by your side. And I'm vigilantly, I really hope that's a word, staying with you. Amen. And that's, yeah. This is why why I love preaching together. Because I get to be preached too while I'm preaching. It's so good. Because that, that's part of what we see happening here, though, is, is God is making us alive, that there is this hope that starts to, to build, and it's a forever hope. It's a hope that has purpose and a hope that calls us to a place of response. And it's so important for us to get that connection that exists between having that revelation and then moving to a place of response. And maybe sometimes that response is it's very active. It's time to do something. And sometimes it's the active waiting of God saying, hold on, hold on. It's getting darker, but there's an Easter Sunday morning that's coming. Hold on. And so today, that's, that's part on this Easter Sunday that we're praying for and we're believing for is that hope rises up in our hearts. Because as humans, especially sometimes, we can, we can cognitively want to like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting you, God, and I'm, I'm believing for it, but there's like a deeper place where, you know, maybe doubt starts to creep in. Maybe discouragement starts to creep in, and we look at it and we go, I don't know if it will ever change. I don't know if things will ever be different. I don't know if that thing I'm praying for, I will ever receive an answer to. And so today in the message of the resurrection, what we see is God making all things new. 
Remember that word that we talked about in the Greek that's that, that um, palingenesis. And what it is is it's the coming together of the beginning again. When we see that renewal or restoring, what that means is it's, it's, it's bringing back full circle to the beginning again. Like that Eden moment, Garden of Eden moment of that closeness and connection to God. And so in the morning of that resurrection, I love it that they talk about the encounter with Jesus happens in the garden. It's this place of coming full circle and saying, Jesus saying, I am with you. I am resurrected. I'm returning to my father, but I'm going to make sure that there is a spirit, the Holy Spirit, that will come alive in you and that will lead you and guide you just as I've been speaking to you and leading you and guiding you. And so then it comes around and we, we think of this in, in like Hebrews chapter six, that says that there is an anchor, uh, that hope is a strong anchor, a trustworthy anchor for our souls. And so we can hold a hope. It's not this like high ideal, but it's actually something that's earthy and that it's foundational and we can actually sink our roots down into it. And so in all of this, we have to come back to this place of, of asking God, okay, I see the new thing that you're doing. I, I, I trust in, in your word and what you're saying. And so how do I respond? How do I respond? What is it that you're asking me to respond to? As we think about this, you know, that it's, it's not just, again, an ideal, but it's practical. I've been in the same place for myself. Like, this isn't just a message we preach as pastors that we preach at you, but we're actually are responsible for living out ourselves. And so even for me, over this, the, the beginning part of this year, the first quarter of the year, there are things that coming out of our, our season of praying and fasting and, and coming out of, you know, sermons that we've been preaching but also having to live out that I've had to respond to practically of saying, yes, God, I am going to allow you to, to break up that hard soil in some areas of my life and soften it up like you do in the garden before you start planting. I'm going to allow you to break up some of that soil. And some of those areas for me have been related to things in my parenting of realizing that I, I'm not going to parent out of, you know, what either I thought was good or bad or, or challenging about my childhood, but I'm going to come back to God. How do you want me to parent these three kids that you've entrusted me with? of being challenged to not just, you know, parent from a place of, you know, well, we give them rules and then we give them consequences if they break the rules, but coming back to how are we, how am I as a parent instilling, instilling God-centered values in their lives that they can live out of regardless of if they're eight years old or 18 years old or 28 years old, you know, and, it, and it's, it's challenged me of like, you know what, it's time to, to read some books. It's time to, to learn in a new way. It's challenged me to um, start into, and this started in the fall, of, of meeting regularly with a coach that's helping me as a, as a pastor and knowing how do, I, how do I pastor, how do I lead a church, and, and being willing to open myself up to challenging questions and questioning you know, my thoughts and, and, and the, the vision that God's receiving and how we implement it. And then it got even more personal a few months ago, and I've mentioned this to you before, when I started seeing a counselor weekly. And for a while, especially in the first few weeks, um, and probably still even to now, it's more painful than it is just enjoyable. It's, it's a process of, of having to do some deep introspection. But when I look at all of that, what I see is it's not just this humanistic, empty way of trying to be my better self. But it's actually saying, okay, God, I'm going to sit back and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear what you're saying and then I'm going to respond. And in some ways, that response is, is taking some active steps. And in some ways, I'm still in that place of active waiting, of going like, I don't know what the outcome of this is. I actually said that to my counselor this week. I said, I don't know for sure what it is we're doing here. Like, what, what's the outcome of this supposed to be? And I love it. He just challenged me. He said, yeah, let's, okay, let's slow down. Let's pump the brakes. <laughs> 
And it's not so much about the outcome, but let's just tend to where you are right now. And I love, again, a good Christian counselor that's like, you know, God, God is present with you and reminding me. And I'm like, I'm a pastor. I know that. And he's like, yeah, but it's okay to be reminded by other people that God is with you. Like Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so for us, I want to, I want to encourage you today. It's, this is not a message to then become overwhelmed and say the gap's too big. I, it will never be overcome. But it's actually a message today that brings us into a place that helps us realize that as God is, is making all things new and, and we're coming alive, it's an alive that it comes with hope. And that there are things that have been changed and transformed through Jesus Christ forever. At the moment of, of Jesus' resurrection, like God in heaven was the same as he will ever be. But on earth, everything dramatically changed. Everything was forever changed. And then out of that place of seeing alive, a new hope that, that was birthed, there, there was this place of assigning purpose and a new understanding of the Holy Spirit's work in us that then moves us to a place of responding. And so I think it's important for us today, and, and Steve, if you have some instrumental music, you can, you can bring that up here as we move to a place of response. I want to invite you, if you feel comfortable, you can, you can bow your head um, and just kind of center in on uh, the Holy Spirit, because I want to bring us to a place of prayerful response this Easter Sunday. And, and you know, it may be, for some of us, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room, that the response that God is inviting you today is, is making that commitment to follow Jesus. It may be the first time ever in your life that you truly come to a place of saying, I want to commit myself to following Jesus. I don't even know all of what that may mean and what that may look like, but today I want to commit myself to walking the path of following Jesus. And I believe that God can do that in you and that begins this process of God restoring and making all things new. And we're gonna pray about that in just a moment. I think for all of us, we're in a place where again, we need to think very practically about our lives and ask, ask ourselves the question, how am I going to facilitate the new that God is bringing into my life? And we intentionally use that word facilitate. It's attending to. It's not just sitting back and say, okay, God, do what you're gonna do but it's actually the facilitating, the, the, the um, tending to it of like making sure that we're prepared and we're ready for what God is doing and what God is growing in us, the seeds that are being planted in us. And so asking yourself, how am I going to facilitate the new that God is bringing into my life? How am I gonna care for it? How am I, how am I gonna make sure that I stay the path? And it may, it may be making some, some challenging decisions some changes to our routines. It may be things like just getting more faithful and regular in the way that we're engaging with God through the week, daily spending time, making that availability in our calendar to spend time with Jesus, making sure that we're in a, in a regular committed way, connecting with God on, on Sundays through the body of Christ, through church, whether in person or online. It may be taking some next steps in areas where God has said, you know what, I've gifted you for this, I've called you for this, and it's time to step out. And yeah, in, in a COVID world with all the restrictions and the, the strangeness to relationships right now, there's still something that God has for me to be doing, and it's time to take those steps. Have a conversation with your pastors, or, or maybe it's time to, to pick up the phone or look online and find that counselor and schedule the first appointment. Don't worry about everything that comes next, but that first appointment. There are a multitude of ways that God can bring us into that facilitating the new that the Holy Spirit is doing in us. And then 
Finally, as we pray together this morning, I think it's so important for us to grasp just a fresh hope of Jesus this Easter Sunday, of us being reminded of the power of both Jesus' death and his resurrection, of the eternal hope that's restored through Jesus Christ. So will you pray with me now? And I'm going to pray through those three points in the time that we have left here this morning. God, as we have gathered together as your body, Christ Jesus, we thank you for the message of hope that's found in the pages of Scripture, but it's also found in the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, as we've listened to your word today, I know that there are ways that you are speaking to us. You are challenging us, and you are also bringing us a new and fresh hope. God, I pray that um, even in the areas where it feels as though you're, you're drawing back the curtains and you're letting your light shine into our lives, I know that there are things that we may be uncomfortable with, overwhelmed by, discouraged by, dissatisfied in our own lives that we know we need to confront, that we need to have that Good Friday put to death so that there is this Easter Sunday resurrection in our lives. I pray, Jesus, for, for anyone that is listening to this message this morning that's coming to that place of making a commitment for the first time, or, or maybe it's a renewed commitment to following Jesus, I pray right now as they confess that, yes, you, Jesus, are, are Lord of all, and, and they confess their sins to you and receive your forgiveness, I pray, God, that you would come in like a flood by your Holy Spirit. God, that you would just brighten up the place that they are in, that their hearts would be filled with love and hope that as they experience your mercy, God, I pray, Jesus, that you would encourage those who are taking those first steps of following you today. God, I pray for those that have been walking with you and, and maybe the path has been hard. Maybe it's been challenging. Maybe it's felt like we've even had to, to sit out and take the bench for a little while. I pray, God, that you would challenge all of us in that response of that, that active waiting for the fullness of what you're gonna do. I pray, God, that you would help us to set our hands to your work. God, whatever it is that you've placed in our hands to do, Lord, that we would tend to it faithfully. I pray, God, for those that are making a renewed commitment to being part of your body, a part of the, the church, the body of Christ, Lord, that you would enable them, that you would give them the strength to, to live for you in a daily way. God, that those that are needing to take a step out in, in their gifts and the abilities that you've given them, to live out of that, that assignment and that purpose that you've given them, Lord, that you would do um, that infusing of strength, God, that they would feel just a strength rise up in them with a clarity of purpose. God, not to be overwhelmed by the, the voice of the enemy or distractions that may come around, but that they would stay laser focused on you. In Christ Jesus, we thank you for Easter Sunday. We thank you for the message of Holy Week that brings us to this place of arrival of a fresh and new beginning in you, Christ Jesus. We thank you that as we, we see an empty cross and we see an empty tomb, that we can have hearts that are not empty, but full, that our spirits will be full of hope because we know that we belong to you, Christ Jesus. And so our prayer today is a yes, Lord, prayer. A prayer that like Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. God, we commit ourselves wholly and completely to you once again. 
And God, I want to pray now just a prayer of blessing over every person that is here this morning, that's watching online. I pray, Jesus, that you would bless them, that you would keep them, that you would, that you would make your face shine upon them. I pray, God, that as you bless them, that they would be able to clearly hear your voice. God, that you would help them even in the moments when it feels like they're exhausted and that they're empty, that they can walk forward and run the race with endurance by the Holy Spirit. God, I bless your people today in the name of Jesus. Amen.